Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I am your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good, good. Well, this is Yeah, this is a very special episode. It's not just us this week, is it? No. No, so we of course have we have two guests here joining us. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hello. How are you going? Doing really well. Thank you so much for having us. Good, good. Yes, and of course we have uh, Robin joining us as well. How's it going, Robin? Yeah, really good. Thanks again for having us on your show. That's no, no problem at no all. Um, so yeah, I guess introduce yourselves. Uh, tell tell our listeners who you are, and I guess how you ended up on a horror podcast. Yeah, so uh, my name's Robin Block. I'm the executive producer of a feature-length documentary uh, called In Search of Darkness, which is um, a retrospective on 80s horror movies. And uh, that's how I came to be on this this uh, fabulous podcast. Mm, it's very exciting. And uh, my name is Jessica Dwyer. Um, I am uh, one of the producers and publicists for um, In Search of Darkness. And I've been uh, writing and working in the horror and entertainment industry for going on 16 years now. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> you are a veteran, then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm old. That's what you're asking. I'm old. <laughs> well, we're, we're old as well, but we just haven't been doing this for that long. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a great way to start. Obviously, you guys are here to talk about this documentary. Um, I imagine a lot of listeners probably have heard of it because it's been doing really well. Sort of, uh, you had you guys had a trailer. I can't remember when exactly it came out. Uh, was it a couple of months ago? The kind of yeah, yeah so we had a, that's right. So we had um, it was more of a teaser mm. trailer, eighty-two seconds long, which was just a a montage of eighties horror movie clips. Uh, spliced up with 80s pop mm. culture. There's even a, a very short clip of uh, a 1980s Donald Trump. <laughs> I, did that was like we put that in as a trigger <laughs> yeah. uh, and, it, and, it, and it kind of worked. <laughs> so that went nuts online. Um, that was viewed like over 100,000 times wow. and we didn't even put it on YouTube. That was just on Twitter <laughs> and, and Facebook. That was great. And then we launched... Um, the Kickstarter campaign on well last Thursday at 6 p.m. UK time, and we hit our initial funding goal within 48 hours, which was it's incredible, which was guys. Wonderful. And when we launched, we launched with a brand new trailer, which was about th- just over three and a half mm. minutes long, um, which you know we're ever so proud of. Which really sort of um, evokes the feeling we want to create and the, and the experience we want to create with the documentary. So if you haven't seen the three and a half minute trailer, go see it. It's a, a wonderful trip down memory lane if you're into oh, it. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, it really is. Yeah, it's, it hits you with nostalgia so hard when you watch it. Um, I think a lot of obviously fans of horror that grew up on those types of movies, they're going to watch the trailer and they're going to get very hyped for this project because I know that's why I felt um, seeing that original trailer, like you said, a couple of months ago. And then, yeah, the new one is even better. Um, so, yeah, obviously you touched upon kind of the Kickstarter and that's doing really well. Um, I guess to take it back a step and, and talk about just the, the kind of inception of this as a documentary, um, where does an idea like this even begin? Like it's a very big undertaking to do a documentary about an entire genre over the course of a decade. Um, so I guess my question is, where does that even start? It's a really good question. And so um, I can tell you when I had the idea and it was the day after I finished fundraising for a feature-length documentary about 80s action movies right. with my good friend and partner, uh, Oliver Harper, who's a very popular YouTuber that runs a channel called Oliver Harper's Retrospectives. Um, and I had such a blast working on that project. That's in production now. My producer, Ty, is flying out uh, to L.A. to uh, film all the interviews on Sunday. And nice. it's just gone beautifully. And so, um, you know, the, the, after, the day after that fundraising, I thought, well, I want to do my next project. And I had a few ideas. And I thought, well, it's, it's July. And the next significant date coming up is probably Halloween. So wouldn't it be cool <laughs> to do a project about 80s horror movies? Because the new Halloween film's coming out on, I think, the 19th. 19th yeah. yeah. In the UK. Oh, yeah, very much aware um, of that one. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, well, look, this is boom. You know, like it, it, you know, it, it, 
we started and it's very much a process. So I knew I'd have about eight or nine weeks to do a pre-launch. Um, so, so I started with talking to artists, finding an artist that I really liked, and started looking at concepts for artwork. At the same time, I went around uh, building up a crew of people that I wanted to work with um, and sort of set a master list of contributors that we wanted to um, attach to the project for when we launched. And it was a lot of work, but just enormous, enormous fun. Um, because I think one of the best feelings in the world is when you have a vision for something and you start moving closer towards that goal. So last Thursday, it was actually a very emotional uh, imagine, moment yeah. for me when we, when we launched the, the Kickstarter because you, it's like having a baby. Now it's not an idea in your head anymore. You, you, it's out there for the public to criticize. And, um, you know, it, it did far better than I expected. Um, and, you know, I have to say the horror community are the best people I've ever met in terms of being supportive. Now, we're talking about the Internet. Where, <laughs> you know, no one, no one likes anything. Right. Yeah. So and we have just had like the best response to this. And, the, the, you know, I've got an advisory team with some of the most experienced and well-known names in horror. So, I've, you know, we've, we're working with people like. Um, Heather Wixon, who's the editor of Daily Dead, we're working with, with um, uh, Scott Weinberg. Um, you know, in terms of contributors from a journalistic background, we've got Michael Gingold, who's the original <coughs> editor of Fangoria for 26 years. We've got um, an amazing lineup of 80s horror icons. We've got an amazing lineup now of modern horror greats, people like Lee Wanell um, and Ryan Turek from Bloomhouse. Um, and also this third group, which actually you're part of, which is, um, I, we call them the influencers, but they are podcast uh, hosts, they're YouTubers, they're journalists, they're merchandisers. And what you guys do is really significant because you're the bridge between the work and the audience. You know, between I can only imagine when you audience. turned over that rock and uh, all us little podcasters come crawling out of it. <laughs> no, 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 it's absolutely fabulous because... Because it's We're all everywhere. energy, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's all, it's it's all just good vibes, and it's you know the the documentary is, and you asked a good question about how do you tackle a genre, and I'll, and I'll come back to that later. But having that unique group of stakeholders, so the people who made that era happen, the people who were influenced by it and are making this era that will now happen, and this other group who who are some somewhere in bete- between who are celebrating it and reliving it and bringing it to a new audience. That gives us the opportunity to contextualize, to cherry pick, to tell stories that have never been told before, and to look at the decade in a brand new way. So when I talk about an experience that I want to give the audience, I want people to watch the film and just go on a 12-hour 80s horror movie marathon. <laughs> like, yeah. next level. So I want it to be like when you first discovered this when you were a kid, you know? So I mean, your trailer already had hyped, to be honest. I was already digging out some Blu-rays, so can't wait yeah but that's this is, it's, it's going to be like that but longer and with you know, far cleverer and, and more experienced people than me on board and and i very much think now and you're part of this as well if we look at media and how like when i was growing up you know there was four channels in the uk and and now there's just a huge fragmentation of media so i bet you if i looked at your instagram or twitter feed that exact curation is almost like a fingerprint it's like down to your personal identity and and it's specific to your particular special interests and so what you're finding is that um crowdfunding is a really amazing mechanism for for uh creating the funding to generate creative works through special interest audiences so with 80s horror one of the really clever things about it is people self-identify with 80s horror you know, there's people that, you know, um, have the merchandise, have the T-shirts, there's people with tattoos of the iconic characters and movies. There's this whole community um, that has formed around 80s horror and horror in general, which we wanted to tap into because ultimately, and it sounds counterintuitive, but you think horror is horrible, but really horror movies is all about belonging. Mm. Um, because the people that are into horror movies generally were the ones who are outsiders at school and are now part of something far bigger and probably far cooler 
then the oh yeah i mean that's what we found when we yeah. first started this podcast you know just suddenly there was a community of people like you say that are like-minded and positive you know it's funny being on the internet and being surrounded by such positivity but we've found it ever since starting the show and i'm glad you guys have found the same um because it really is a you know we're all just want to celebrate a genre that we love so much um you know which is why we're doing what we're doing and why you do what you do really um one of the things that you kind of mentioned there was the uh you know the the breadth of kind of horror that went on in the 80s how how are you kind of tackling condensing this thing i mean in into a feature length kind of documentary have you kind of thought about that i can only imagine how long this uh, bad boy is going to be when it first gets to the cunt room uh, table um, well, it's a good thing and a bad thing right so <laughs> the good thing the good thing is we're doing you know because we achieved our uh, initial mm. uh, funding target in 48 hours we went over to stretch goals yeah and one of our and we were listening to the community as we were putting putting this together <laughs> and one of the the things that came up time and time again uh, was people asking us, you know, can this be like a long ass documentary, like three hours plus? And I was like, yeah, because, you know, it needs to be that long to, to do the genre justice. Now, look, you know, we're not going to be able to cover every film, right? Uh, but we are going to cover some very specific topics and very specific themes. And we are going to um, do the era justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two cuts that are going to happen. So there's a three hour plus extended version. And there's going to be a 90-minute plus <clears throat> theatrical. Um, how, how do you see uh, those two well. projects? Do you see them as being two very different projects, or, or you know, how do you how do you turn a three-hour cut into a 90-minute feature and kind of keep the two interesting and very separate as well? You know, because it's presumably not just tagging on an extra 90; well, it's, it's it, two very different things that you're producing there. Well, what happens is it's to do with how these documentaries are put together. Um, and it's actually a lot easier to take stuff away than it is to put stuff in. Right. So, um, you know, as we go into production, so produ- the main part, there's going to be a few interviews that happen in November and December, but the main bulk of production is going to happen in January and February next year. Um, and so in terms of the structure and how we're going about um, doing the interviews, covering things you want to cover, it's all, um, it's all very structured. Uh, and so what happens is when you get into the edit, you can start, it's like, it's like Lego. Anyone that works in post-production or does documentaries or edits will understand what I'm talking about, who, who that edits interview material. So it's just like building an amazing Lego set, but you're dealing with people's words and footage and graphics. And you are, you know, we'll end up with, I expect, hundreds of hours of footage that's condensed um, down to probably a six or seven hour edit and then we just pass over that until we hit um something which is going to be strong enough for us you know our hardcore horror fans so the ones that really want to dive deep and listen to the broad range of contributors that we've we've got on board um and that cut then serves a basis for a smaller cut where you can just tighten things up tighten things up until you get to something which is reasonable for distributors <laughs> and theatrical release and all of that good stuff as well so it's um it's like having um you know it's like having i'm trying to think of a metaphor this is probably the wrong metaphor but i'll go with it it's just popped into my head it's like having you know it's, it's like having concentrated like orange juice that you have to sort of add, <laughs> add, add water to right so the one that we He's add taking us on a journey to, now <laughs> yeah right the one that we the one that we add water to is um is is basically the the, the, the three-hour cut, and the one that's really concentrate is going to be the 90, uh, 90 plus minutes. Um, but we nice. want the enjoyment level to be the same. We want it to be something where you watch it, and um, it just it just takes you back. You know, it makes you look at this stuff. You'll learn stuff. There's very few people that have watched everything from the era, um, and we don't. We certainly don't just want to cover old ground. We cover um you know the main franchises because they've already been covered you know, very very well but we want to tell a different story and it is really about contextualizing that era so looking at you know the socio-political influences what was happening at the time um but also just tell some cool stories really 
Yeah, I think that's what I found interesting about the the trailer you put out there. Really, was that um, you know we've we've all watched making of documentaries of all of these horror franchises, but the conversation felt different from what we saw. You know, you bring in like you say what was going on in the world at that point. Um, one of the things that we kind of saw in the trailer was um, a couple of shots of some old Nintendo games, uh, obviously like the Super Mario and the old school Friday the Thirteenth. Um, is is there going to be kind of you know obviously this podcast by the you know by the name alone we're very keen on video games as well is there a going to be a conversation had about kind of the influence and linkage of kind of I think you'll have to I think you'll have to wait and see because um, you know we're we're still we're still lining up I mean I I I work with um, quite a few sort of gaming YouTube creators people like um, Guru Larry. Um, People like Kim Justice, um, uh, uh, Slopes Game Room. These are all sort of friends of, of mine. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Well, I mean, like it's it's going to be one section. So this is you could do a whole film about eighties horror computer games, right? Which isn't our intention. It's something that we want to touch upon. Yeah. They they start all the way back to Atari with you know oh, the yeah. the and and the PC even with Halloween and and everything. So uh, that's one thing I'm a, I'm a, I'm a geek all around. And that's one thing that I'm always excited about. And that's one <laughs> thing I love that James Rolfe did was went back and showed that horrible leather face chainsaw massacre game that came out. Yeah. Back I think then. For me, it was probably the, the Friday the 13th one that I saw was one of the first videos I ever saw of his. And I was like, I need to play this terrible game again. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. <laughs> that nightmare on Elm street game yeah. where you, kind of it went from dark to light and and uh, yeah that that i've spent way too many hours playing that game <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're not great games <laughs> um one thing you um mentioned a, a while ago is talking about the kind of the horror icons that you've got involved in this project um there's obviously a whole list on the kickstarter page itself um did you want to sort of let, let our listeners know kind of a few of the names that are attached um which ones i guess you're most excited to hear from but then also as a second part of the question who would be kind of your dream people to get involved if if, if you could get anyone sort of alive currently okay so this is i probably should caveat this with mm-hmm. Um, the contributors that we've launched with, that isn't uh, a finished mm-hmm. list. So part of the, when you do a crowdfunding campaign, it's basically just one big marketing campaign. And by the fact that you're marketing it, you start to get on people's radars. So we've yeah. had like really cool people get in touch with us purely because of the Kickstarter. Um, but in t- I mean, it's difficult for obvious reasons for, for, for me to sort of talk about favorites. Of course, of course. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like every, <laughs> in terms of 80s icons, like we've got people like Stuart Gordon, we've got um, Jeffrey Coombs, we've got Tom Jeffrey Holland. Combs. Yeah, I'm very, we've got very excited about Jeffrey Coombs. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Brian Musner, we've got Lloyd Kaufman. You know, we've got a who's who. We're, just, we're just getting started. So I... Jess and I are aware of people that are in the pipeline um, mm-hmm. that um, are on board, but we haven't um, announced yet that we're going to announce, which we can't tell you about, unfortunately. How about if we guess? But it, <laughs> well, <laughs> right. We could be here all night. We could be here all night. No, no, if your, your guess has got to be better than yeah. so, um, But the But it, it's been amazing. And, and these guys, this group of people, um this group of stakeholders have just been really welcoming oh you've got some really interesting names as well kind of the some of the names you said are some real legends of the genre and some that there are some other names that kind of i've never really heard talk about things kind of um you know in in recent times lisa wilcox is one that i was a huge fan of in the nightmare movies um so hearing her kind of talk about it and with with the 2018 mindset is going to be super interesting for me Oh, absolutely. And in fact, she's in the um, new extended trailer that we put together. Um, so, yeah, we were absolutely delighted to get her on board. And she, uh, you know, she was cool from the start. She was one of the first people that uh, signed on. That's oh, amazing. Well, um, I was going to interject in here because you mentioned we, we talked about Brian Usna being part of the project. And one thing I'm really excited about this is the the fact that we're going to talk about the, the film's being influenced by the 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 decade 
Mm. And and the one movie that he did, a lot of people can still go back to and be really repulsed and intrigued by is Society, which um, yeah. was spoke about like the excess of the eighties and the, the haves and have nots. And, and uh, that's one thing I'm really excited about because the eighties um, was that time when, you know, you had George Romero doing day of the dead and the speaking about the difference between what was going on with the military and, and society at the time. And there's a lot of that in here. And I really am. Ex- I love that stuff. Well, well, you can get away with things and talk about things that you normally, like you'd, you'd mentioned before we started, Black Mirror. And what you can get away with in genre, hidden behind that level of horror, and what, what you can talk about and get away with that people are like, oh, wait, that's what you're meaning. You know, and, and, that's a really, and that's really what the 80s kind of started, was that kind of thing, which mm. we're now getting into with Get Out. And stuff like that. Yeah, I was, I was. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I was just going to say, like, that's one of the perfect examples of a more modern take. Where, you know, talk about a, a movie that has an amazing message and social commentary, and it also is a fantastic horror film. Um, so yeah, I, I love when when the horror movies do that and combine combine the two. Um, you, you were just talking about mm. how um, kind of the '80s are so kind of iconic for horror, and obviously that is one of the main um, issues that this is this documentary is going to go into. Obviously, it's going to be a, a very difficult question to answer, I guess. But why is that? Why why is the '80s the the genre, the the, the the decade that we always look back on with horror? You know, there's there's of course classic uh, horror movies in the '70s. There's some in the '90s, but it just seems like something about the '80s we're always drawn to with horror well it's really interesting because there's been a lot of writing and videos and video essays about that exact same um question and um what we've got to do is look at generational cycle so my you know i'm 40 uh so i was I, i kind of um first got exposed to horror movies during the 80s in the late 80s um and the 80s were what the 50s were to our parents. So the people that wrote Back to the Future, you know, it was set in the 1950s because that's the um, era that they were nostalgic about. And I think that, you know, we're living through a kind of global time warp where we're living in incredibly complex, uncertain times. Um, we're looking back to the 80s, which was pre-internet, mm-hmm. where things appear to be simpler. Um, and if you look at popular culture, it's referencing that global time walk. So we've had Stranger Things, we've had Ready Player One. Um, you know, one of the key partners we brought on board that's going to be doing a uh, official compilation soundtrack for us is the record label New Retro Wave, yeah. which is uh, you know synth wave, and that's that's sort of a reinterpretation of eighties pop music and synth music for our generation now so there's something very very powerful about nostalgia because it's really a a place of comfort um and so that's what is going on but there's also some really key parallels you know so one of the things documentary will talk about is reaganomics and the political climate we had aids we had um the cold war we had nuclear uh, war, which um, was a, a there's a lot of fear in society, and if we sort of look to where we are now with the the, the global power system and the way politics is now, and, and Trump as president, it's there is some there's definitely some parallels you can you can draw. So the 80s is on point right now, and and uh, that's that's why I think people are so nostalgic. I think too um, to piggyback on what Robin said was. The 80s was a was a moment where you had the emergence of VHS, where so many people were ex- ac- able to access this content, and you had a real movement with independent studios and things being able to utilize that. Plus, you had cable TV that um, suddenly was huge everywhere, and it allowed kids and teenagers to really get a hold of this stuff and 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 that moment was like this meshing of I, I guess you'd call it technology a lot of people would laugh if they I said VHS is technology <laughs> um, but I think that 
really that spurred a lot of it in the 80s because we were able to see that and get it anytime and cable you know how many times did you watch um like ghostbusters or or, or these movies on cable every day and it, oh, it was yeah. that prime time it was our internet, really. VHS was where we were streaming. Oh, I think if so. You yeah, I thought it was so many people's 100%. introduction. I mean, that that is one hundred percent our introduction to horror was going to the old, um, you know, VHS stores and and looking at those box arts and just kind of being transfixed by them. And and you know, sometimes finding gems, sometimes just getting completely kind of duped by the box art. But either way, having a good time. You know, <laughs> um, we put all our budget into the painting on the cover. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I remember, you know, certain franchise, I mean, like Hellraiser was one where, you know, I just saw that box art and was like, I need to see this movie, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, so no, I couldn't agree with you more there. That's definitely a part of that era as well, that like with the rise of obviously digital and, and everything else, like that does seem to be something that's kind of forgotten and is very much something that people are very nostalgic for is that feeling of walking around a place and picking up a physical, you know, looking at the box art, looking at the, the back and, and being like, oh, what is this movie? Because nowadays we're kind of so switched on with the internet and everything being like, oh, we know, we see all the trailers, you know, we've seen the, the Halloween trailer a hundred times before we go see the movie. And, and that is kind of i guess lost that kind of sense of excitement and not knowing what the horror movie is actually going to be about it's really interesting you say that because um it vhs cover art and the poster art is definitely one of the um things we're going to be talking about nice. and you know kids nowadays will never know like i used to i used to um I used to rent some right stinkers for the movie, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, you know, I was already sold on the cover art, just like you said. So I've got a story. So one of the first people that I reached out to when I started planning this film was an artist called Graham Humphreys, mm-hmm. who uh, if you're in Europe and you watch Freddy or Evil Dead, like he was the guy that you first, that interpreted that movie visually for nice. you. So he did all the cover art and posters, but he's an iconic guy. So he has designed a limited edition poster that we've got, which is the, the first image that you see when you go to the Kickstarter page. Now, I went and did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago for a film that we're going to release in a couple of days um, about him making that artwork. And the guy is just incredible. Um, and the level of detail that he goes into... I mean, right now, I'm at my computer, and I've got an ultra-wide monitor, and the artwork is my screensaver. And it's and it's absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. And one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be offering the original artwork with all the sketches, the whole thing, as a reward on a special reward on Kickstarter. It's actually out of my budget because um, it's, it's it's a one of a kind. It's a, it's really an investment. So people commission Graham from all over the world. Um, there's another guy that we've just reached out to. So I can't say to you he's going to be in it, but he's one of the influences of Graham, a guy called uh, Drew Struzan, who very, very famous. He did The Thing, um, the artwork for The Thing. Um, And it's funny because we we, we talked about the 80s in pop culture. So one of the the things that inspired me and why I enjoy this and I adore this work is one of my prized possessions is a um, book by a UK artist called Tom Hodge, who goes by the name of the Dude Designs. And it's a coffee table book of VHS cover art from the era. So it's all the movies <laughs> that you were like, you know, super B movies. Um, and it's just a, a compilation and it's like a prized possession. It's a beautiful book. Um, you know, you guys should definitely link to it in the show notes. Um, but it evokes that feeling of going into a VHS video store Amazing. to discover, you know. So it's powerful. Oh yeah, I mean the artwork for your for your documentary is just amazing. If that doesn't suck you in, then you know nothing's going yeah. to because it's just it just really evokes everything that you you want from the genre. You know, you you look at you know it's got the the you know the main kind of guys you associate, but then you you know whenever I've looked at, it, I was like, oh look, there's a little critter in the corner or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, oh yeah. those guys <laughs> like didn't know anyone else loved that movie apart from me, and it's just kind of like I, that's what I really enjoy about the you know when you actually talk to people about it, this love for these kind of, you know, horror movies that you thought um, was just this weird B movie that you've caught and that no one else will have an affinity for, but actually there's just this giant hidden community for all of these movies. It's, it's amazing. And, and um, 
you know, I, I love 80s horror. In fact, right in front of me, I've got my Blu-ray copy of one of my all-time favorite movies, which is The Stuff by Larry, Larry Cohen. <laughs> and, you know, like, so when I went, I've got a story, I, I went to meet Graham. We, 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 we both live in London and we, we met up and, you know, I was trying to do my best to be a very serious business person. And at the end, um, I said, do you mind signing my Blu-ray of The Stuff because you did the artwork? I, I came across like a bit of a fanboy, <laughs> but, uh, but I treasure it. And, <laughs> and, and what's amazing as well is we have Larry Cohen uh, in the documentary. Awesome. Larry, so Co- Larry so he, Cohen is hilarious and awesome. And I've had the pleasure of talking to him and he is, he's still, man, he is still a goer. He, he's, <laughs> it, it's Brilliant. fantastic. Him and Corman, him and Corman are two of the best. So, I mean, I mean, you touched on it there. I mean, I know it's hard to pick your favorites, but we're going to make you try. Uh, <laughs> what What are a couple of your favorites from the 80s? You're going to have to give us a few, guys. Jess, just ladies first. Oh, yeah. gosh. Are you wanting movies or are you wanting... Just, just, yeah, yeah it's is, totally what he's doing. He's going to go through you know, the list. These <laughs> 80s movies that are just, you know, what jumps out at you? Um, for 80s movies, um, I would have to say one of my all-time favorites, never never going to be touched, is Fright Night. Nice. Um, Fright Night, just... <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you had Roddy McDowell, who is just... I, I would have given my left arm to have met. And um, it's, it's Chris Sarandon just being one of the slickest mofo vampires you're ever going to meet. Um, it was one of the first kind of meta movies too. Um, it was brilliant how it did everything. It had an amazing soundtrack. Um, Tom Holland just knocked it out. I was going to say, we, yeah. we now know why Tom Holland's on board. We, <laughs> um, I, straight, yeah, straight in on that one. <laughs> seriously. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, another one that I can't, uh, you, another favorite would i mean you, you've got all the other ones but one that i always love and people there's a there's a debate is beetlejuice oh, is it horror fantastic. is it comedy oh. I, i'm like heck yeah I mean, it's horror this is a really, I mean, when it's yeah, that good is, who cares yeah exactly right so this is you've brought up a really good point jess like is it horror is it you know so we deliberately didn't include things like alien um you know uh, it, it was highly subjective. And when we do this again, I think what I'm going to do is start off with an approved list of films that we're going to cover because it's very arbitrary, you know. And mm. ultimately, um, as, as an executive producer, I want to create a film that I would love. And my, my agenda yeah. is to create something which will delight the audience. Um, and so there'll be films in there that we, that we don't feature because we don't think they're relevant. There'll be films in there that we don't feature because we just simply can't cover everything. Um, but we do want to cover the ones which we think are the most notable, which we think are the most interesting. Not necessarily just the biggest franchises, because their stories have been told. Um, mm. So you know, it is it is highly subjective. And um, you know, you asked about horror films. It's a, it, again, that's a really highly subjective um, question. And, and it, it, for me, it, it changes weekly. Um, you know, especially as I as I get older, because I almost want to go back in time and travel into my twelve year old self to re experience this stuff. <laughs> but if I think about the films that had the biggest impact on me, I would say, you know, there's a few films from that era which never age and actually get better. But the first one I would mention is uh, John Carpenter's uh, The Thing, mm-hmm. which and I'm actually I'm going to see him in London uh, next week, which I'm really excited about. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. performing. I, I'm looking be... at my the Thane infection at Outpost thir- 31 uh, box of uh, the the game that Mondo released, which is amazing. <laughs> I like that's just a, that's just I've seen that. You know, my, my wife and I we watched that film. In fact, we watched it the last time we watched it. We we watched the original. We watched the uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. We watched the the one that was done a few years ago. And you know, by like a hundred miles. John Carpenter's The Thing hasn't it hasn't aged. It's still a complete movie. It's a complete universe, and it's you know, a parallel that I would draw. Is I went to to the cinema a few weeks ago to see um, the pre- the Predator, well, Predator and Predator Two, so the mm-hmm. original Predator, right? And oh, that right. was the okay. same experience. Nice. Like it hasn't. It's still almost like a perfect movie. 
Mm. It's like it's like this narrative that's been frozen in amber, which will never date. You know, and Aliens is like that as well. You get these films from the eighties, which are technically very, very impressive, and thirty years on, um, they they haven't changed. It's all in camera. It's all practical effects. And um, oh yeah, the thing is oh, terrifying. It's absolutely, it. but you know, I would say another. There was an amazing. Uh, was it? It was the Arrow release of it. The, the lovely Blu-ray they put oh, out. Um, was it earlier this year or last year, Matt? I can't it was last year, that. I think. Because Carrie was last year. Show, yeah, it? yeah, and it was it was incredible. And just seeing this 4K restoration of it, I was like, this movie just could have came out six months ago. It looks so incredible it's still, special. and just hits the mark. It's special. I mean, in movies, you know, everyone mm. gives John Carpenter all the credit for that, but it's a it's a collaborative affair and i think you've got to get a little bit lucky there's something um wonderful and spontaneous when a movie just gets everything right you know um yes it's uh, uh an auteur yes it's you know one man's vision but the casting all the performances the combination of just you know these groundbreaking practical effects um you know there's one guy that i would have loved to have got for this documentary i mean we've got tom woodruff jr we've got tom savini you know nice. um, we've got some amazing people amazing. um but but i would have loved to have got rob botine um because uh you know i, I could just talk to him all day about about that <laughs> but the other film that i wanted to mention actually was was the stuff for, for different reasons because um you know that the stuff is a is a film that i think is very clever it's it's very satirical very funny um it's not it's not horror as in it's not frightening but it taps into something very dark um yeah you know and and you've got to mention a couple of others i suppose scanners um for me is one which um you know really affected me at the time and and the fly um we wanted to get Cronenberg. we weren't able to get him unfortunately mm-hmm. um, we did approach him um but uh you know it's it there's so many there's so many i mean a, a part of this job was revisiting some of the some of the works and, oh, and I yeah. bet that was tough homework <laughs> well, it, well it was right it was because some of the movies this is, i don't know if you found this right but, but you know i'm not that sort of 12 and 13 year old boy experiencing these movies now i'm 40 years old so some of the movies that i loved and adored when i was uh you know in, in my teenage years I can't experience them in the same way, mm. and I find my attention yeah, I know my attention mean. span isn't there. Um, and some movies I can, and um, you know, Night- Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, like I still adore it. Even even the second one, Freddy's Revenge, like I, I really enjoyed. It. I saw it in a different light. Um, so yeah, like you get, you get to re-experience this stuff. So it's pretty cool. Amazing. I'll tell you the the one thing that I, I brought him up before, but Jeffrey Combs to me mm. is like our modern Vincent Price. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm really excited about having him on because I, I see it as you have different, different decades or different parts of time have their, their icons of horror. You know, we had Peter Cushing, we had Christopher Lee, um, you had Vincent Price in, in our now modern times, I see, Jeffrey Combs, like as our Vincent Price, and Doug Jones as our Lon Chaney, and um, I, I really, I adore him because he keeps that sort of vibe of I'm the suave of evil dude. <laughs> Love reanimation. Uh, so good. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad that you uh, mentioned a, a minute ago. I'm sadly no longer with us, uh, Mr. Wes Craven. Um, mm-hmm. His impact is still uh, felt on us and for this show uh, most weeks, and of course. Nightmare on Elm Street probably being the, the biggest of them, but also, I mean, one that I wanted to kind of earmark because it's it's one that we have always firmly been in the camp of. It's absolutely amazing, but seems like a lot of other people maybe don't necessarily agree with us. <laughs> is the Hills of Eyes Part Two? Um, it was an early one that we saw. Again, you know, the the stereotypical story of we got the VHS tape and the box art was insane, and we was I remember watching it way too young. Yeah, um, and it, I absolutely time. love that film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yourself yeah, Michael, yeah. exactly. Uh, M- Michael Michael Berryman exactly. is, is, yes. is on our is on our hit list. Uh, oh, he's, he, he's still working, so we're, we're we're sort of working away. And he's got such an iconic, nice, uh, you know, features. You know, he's a very mm. unusual looking man, and and 
you know, I know it's sort of mm. horror, but he, you know, he cameoed in Weird Science and just, he would just be a super interesting, like, it's funny because, you know, I don't think you have to be a horror purist to enjoy what we're doing. Like, I just think, just like this conversation now, just uh, talking about these movies just evokes pleasure. Yeah, it's just a trip down memory lane, isn't it? And there's so many common grounds that you can touch upon, which is, you know, there, there's so many movies out there, but yeah, there's just so many similar experiences that you just didn't think would be sharing. Um, we we kind of our aim of the podcast when we first set it up was to focus on the now and kind of what what is coming out and kind of seeing where the genre is going in kind of you know modern times. I mean, what have you guys seen in the last year or two years that kind of has really blown you away? What what are some of your favourites there? Well, um, yeah, the film that really and we we couldn't get the director. Unfortunately, he he was unavailable. The film that really blew me away recently uh, was It Follows. Oh, yes. Uh, that just, oh, I was just like, you know, and I watched it. It's rare that I rewatch a movie, you know, um, straight after watching it. But I did with that because I was just like, that was perfect. And um, an announcement. Heavily inspired movie as well. Yeah, an announcement <laughs> that I'm looking to make uh, very soon, and I'll hear back in the next couple of days, is... Uh, Katie from um, Paranormal Activity. Oh, nice! So oh, really? I, mean, nice. I, I watched that as a thirty-two-year-old man, <laughs> and I had to. And I watched it uh, on my own, and I had to, <laughs> I had to sleep. I had to sleep with the light on. Right? So that's, oh, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. That film, that that movie got all yeah. of us, didn't it? I remember it just, watching that you know, for the first time. It, it was it was an, an insane terrifying. experience. I, I didn't think that I could still feel that way watching modern horror. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was fantastic. Uh, what about you, Jess? Any sort of recent horror movies um, that stand out? I, I'm going to jump on the wagon train with Hereditary. Uh, oh, yeah. That I hadn't seen a scene that could top the old woman crawling around on the ceiling in Exorcist Three, um, <laughs> and that movie did. And it was, <laughs> I was like, oh my, oh, oh my god, she's hanging there. Oh my god, oh mm. my god, she's she's not making noise. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just that movie there was so many just things that oh that movie punches oh, you in the face doesn't it from it, you know 20 it, minutes in and and just well keeps it gets going. you with not only the horror aspect but it's it's also just if you've had issues with your family or if you've had any kind of like uh i mean just the the, the vibe of mental torture that has gone on and the hints at things that have been done, like the little figure of the old woman just standing there with her breast hanging out, ready to nurse this baby. And 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 it's like, oh, my God, she walked in like that, just expecting, oh, oh God. And you just keep going down this hole. And that movie just got me. That and Mandy. Mandy <laughs> was. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. I need to go and see it. If we could talk about modern horror, we could talk about the other one. But so. Parano- the, all the paranormal activities, like I go and see it with my mum because my mum's a massive horror movie fan. My wife hates <laughs> horror. So I've got, I've got a young daughter and she's, she's two and I'm trying to gently introduce her to horror movies. Is two too young? I don't know. But <laughs> um, she, yeah. she, saw, she, she, she saw my screensaver on my laptop and she was going, Monsters, Daddy. I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, but but so but, um, but Insidious, the, uh, Insidious was another movie where I couldn't sleep that night, and it was just and the fact that we've got Lee Wan L, um, oh, uh, awesome. it, it is amazing, and that is another perfect movie. And in fact, it, that whole universe, James Wan universe, like um, I, I really enjoy those movies, and they they do link they, you know, Lin Shay, the the connection with New Line. You know, back to Nightmare on Elm Street. I love how it's very, you know, it's going, it's circles, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. that cyclical '80s thing again. And so, I yeah. see that franchise as a direct uh, descendant of the best of the '80s as well. You know, we'll be doing a documentary in thirty years' time, going, "Oh yeah, two thousand, the, yeah. the two thousand, <laughs> like that rocked, right?" So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've had a bit of a roller coaster ride with that franchise. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's incredible <laughs> movies in it. Uh, no, we we got. Yeah, I'm glad James Wan as well. Like a huge fan, obviously. I mean, we yeah. huge fans of Saw and, and kind of where that comes from, yeah. especially The Conjuring as well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else we need to touch upon, really. There was one thing that I wanted to briefly mention was the, the reward structure on your Kickstarter. Um, obviously, you've got the, the posters, which are absolutely fantastic. Um, I highly recommend everyone looks them up. Um, as you mentioned before, Graham Humphreys doing the artwork. It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, but another thing is you are offering a Blu-ray, which I think is I want to give credit mm, to you guys because yeah. we see a lot of Kickstarters and, and all these other places that only offer DVDs still in 2018. Um, so credit to you guys for offering a Blu-ray. It's nice um, touch. Is, is, um, would you do something like maybe a VHS version of the movie? Obviously, <laughs> I get this a lot, right? I get this a lot, right? So, I'm so, going to be okay. quiet. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet. Uh, I've been uh, okay. pushing this. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, right, nice. <laughs> We've, I've had loads of messages. Now the reality is, um, you know, and I, I should talk about. You know, we don't offer a Blu-ray as a separate reward tier mm. because Kickstarter exists for us to raise the money uh, to finance the filmmaking, and so we're, we're, we're trying to raise as much funding as possible. Um, and with that, you you know, in terms of reward tiers, Kickstarter is very clear that you can only offer things that you can actually deliver. Now, um, the fulfill, fulfillment is a real issue. Mm. Like we, you know, we're, we're going to uh, fulfill this in July 2019. And so Blu-rays, T-shirts, posters, um, all of that sort of stuff, we can deliver that. There's um, suppliers that we work with to deliver that. There's no issue. But with VHS, there is an issue because, um, you know, it, it, it's it's niche it's expensive in order for us you know it's more hassle for us to deliver it on vhs um and so the cost of actually delivering that as a reward here to include our time in delivering it and then to generate finance for the film it becomes something which isn't really that workable um you know and that's that's what, unless i did it as a strictly limited edition you know 100 copies on vhs it would be expensive and i'm and i'm sort of i'm hesitant to offer that because ultimately um you know my primary uh, concern is delivering for our backers um, and that's what you know, that that's what we're in it for so i'm resistant i mean i've had wonderful messages from people who have been you know you should do halloween cards you should and they're all good <laughs> ideas but the reality is that you need to keep rewards you know, we're in the we're in the making amazing documentaries business, you know, and we need to make sure that the rewards we offer are completely um, deliverable. And that means keeping them simple. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't want to price people out of it as well. Like you say, if you can only do like a, a hundred or something and there has to be a high price point, then you don't want to make it seem like, you know, you're trying to steal off people. It's, it's just a logistics issue, like you say. Uh, well, you know, it's funny because people talk about, donating to kickstarters and i don't really see it that way i see it as as pre-selling um mm. you know this is an opportunity to join you know you don't uh, i donate to a charity i don't expect anything in return but what we're doing is rewards-based crowdfunding and the, you know i would underline the word rewards because no one's ever going to get the same version that we in terms of the actual physical merchandise that we deliver out to our backers. Yeah, I've always seen Kickstarter um, as like a premium pre-order service almost where you just get yeah. this, you know, amazing version of something that you're super passionate for. And if you're not so passionate about it, you'll just get the regular edition when it eventually becomes available. Oh, 100%. 100% and, and you're exactly right because, um, you know, we, it goes in our big trailer, we have uh, this sort of mon this sequence of graphics that says you know uh uh funded by fans for the fans mm. i'm getting it wrong by the way but like <laughs> it, it, it alludes to the fact that you know this is for you by you you know our reference points the movies we're covering we've listened to our audience we've got you know we're going to be coming up for three thousand followers on twitter you know it's a very highly vocal audience that are letting us know what they want and um you know, my job is to listen to that and deliver the best um, film I can for the audience. Awesome. Um, there was one awesome. thing I, I want to briefly mention as well, because you mentioned earlier about community, obviously horror community and how involved everyone is and how positive it is in, in compared to like the rest of the Internet. Um, and that's something that we've massively seen for our show so far. We get so many great comments from our listeners. and It's always wonderful. We never want to take that for granted. Um, and one of the main kind of one of our, I guess, our favorite time of year 
is when we go to a horror movie festival, uh, which is called Fright Fest. Now, yeah. are, are you aware of Fright Fest? Yeah, of course. I mean, we were, I was down there. I was with uh, one of our producers, a guy called Evrim Ersoy, who uh, actually played our trailer, our original oh, trailer, nice. at Fright Fest in front of the audience. Was that so this year? To, yeah, yeah, I went to I went down to a party. Uh, Barbara Crampton was there, and um, and I met the the founders of Fright Fest and you know, mm-hmm. Fright Fest rocks. Yeah, you know, and but you know, I met one of the guys from Monster Squad when I was down there as well. So it's like a Thursday night in Soho. But um, you know, <laughs> like it's uh, and guys, if you're in London, like if you're in London, I don't know where you guys are based, but if you're in London, we're having a big uh, party at a kung fu bar called Pimp Shui. On, the t- on Friday, 26th of October. It's going to be amazing. It's 80s themed. Um, you know, nice. but, it's, but, it, but we're making, I mean, the, the audience for this is actually North America. That's where the big, um, right. where the big base is. So, so Europe's significant and Britain's significant, but the real audience is in um, uh, America. And so with the influencers that we've worked with and the community that we've worked with, it's really been um deliberately u.s focused is that um, because of the size of u.s compared to europe or is it because of the fact that a, a vast majority of these movies you're going to be covering are american movies both both it's where the market is yeah um so when you're doing a kickstarter it's you, you obviously want to go where you, your project's got the the most likely um outcome of being funded so in terms of you know, and if i look at the team you know jessica's in the u.s my art director's in the u.s um, our directors in the US, uh, most of our contributors are US based. And so um, I've had to put my sort of Englishman point of view <laughs> to, to, to one side. We have side. to have something because we have to deal with Trump every day. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we're helping these Pity us. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're helping these guys out. But, but in all seriousness, <laughs> no, no, Fright Fest is fabulous. The community down here is fabulous. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone that um, goes to a lot of. Um, horror movie festivals. Um, there's actually one at a place called Conway Hall in London. I can't remember the name of the event, but it's it's quite quite big on seventies horror, and they get all the people that were in Hammer horror films down there. And it's a, I've been a few times to that. It's a wonderful event. Mm. But all these things are highly nostalgic, and so you know, if you want, again, in my in my office now. I, I look over to my left and I see the Video Nasties three-disc DVD set, which is very much, you know, a, a UK story. And that's not something we've chosen to cover because it's been done brilliantly, right. but it's UK-centric, whereas, mm. the, the, you know, with the story we're trying to tell, it's, it's, most of this stuff came out in the States. Obviously, you've got Italian filmmakers in there as well, but, yeah. Yeah, the reason I brought I, I will sorry. T- Oh, good. So I was just going to say, if you want to watch a really great documentary about European horror, mm. uh, Mark Gatiss did a, a fantastic movie called Horror Europa, where he goes to from the beginning with Caligari all the way through modern times, basically, with um, and it's all European horror. It's fantastic. Oh, awesome. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, no, the, the reason why I brought up Fright Fest was because, yeah, I just think the, the audience for not only us, but you guys and Fright Fest is just... It's a you know it's a perfect triangle. It's 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 a perfect fit, and so obviously with Fright Fest next year, August, you guys are, are what are you? When are you hoping to get this film sort of complete by? Oh, July, July. Right. So I mean, look yeah. at the perfect timing, you know, for a screening at Fright Fest. Oh, actually, you know, one of the big wins on this is when Evrim played our eighty-two second trailer, so the first one that you saw in front of an audience at Fright Fest and recorded it. Yeah. So if you if you look at like, tweet, <laughs> I want to see that. If you look at tweet number five or something like that on our Twitter, like it, right. it will be every and, and the round of applause we got, and um, you know, it just as nice. a as someone who was trying to make this idea happen, it was you know it gave gave us a lot of energy. Yeah, definitely. We we saw a documentary at this year's Fright Fest about Fright Fest. Um, it was kind of what was it called? Beneath the Dark Heart of Cinema, covering because it's the twentieth anniversary of Fright Fest next year, and that was one of my favorite experiences of the entire weekend because it was just the, the nostalgia trip and learning so much about the history of the festival. And this documentary to me would be so perfect for that because it is the exact audience, and they would just have such a good time together reliving all these classic movies. Well, I do hope so. I mean, um, it's we were actually we were at, we were, we were at a 
a virtual panel at a convention in Ohio, was it, Jess? Um, oh, yes, it was Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, monster, monster. <laughs> There's something going on in Ohio, Ohio I'm sure. But, uh, it, it, you're thinking of Horror Hound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was, you know, the conventions are really cool, you know, and especially the horror ones. And, just you know, it's weird. It's like I said, it's all about belonging. Mm. You know, yeah. it's people self-identify with this and and it's a very powerful thing. Um, and you know, it's, I think the horror community is really about love without trying to sound cheesy. I actually do believe that. I haven't mm. experienced it now. <laughs> every, I go to every horror hound weekend twice a year. We, we have shows. Um, nice. I've been with the magazine since issue two and we're now like on issue 60 something. I'm old. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I go to every con every year. Um, every, both of them. And, it's like a family reunion, only you want to be there. And it's, you know, it, and the best way of putting that. it really is. It's like everybody just hugs and, and loves each other. And you, you, you can talk to someone without even knowing their name. Like you, you, you look down and you see Tom Atkins on their t-shirt and you're like, you know what I'm about. And you start talking to them <laughs> and you make friends and it's, you you just know it's like being on the same wavelength as you're walking down the street you you'd know them and uh that's really what the horror community is and we've all loved the same things we we've lived through all the same stuff we know each other's you know if if you see that shirt or if you see that freddy krueger necklace you're like oh you know what's up that you know you know and um that's really what I love about being a part of this group is because we all get it mm. and that's why we all get along. And if the world, that's why Comic-Con in San Diego can have like a half a million people at it and there won't be a murder because they all are fans yeah. and they get it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good place to, to end it. Really, kind of where where can we find you guys? Then kind of pimp out the the Kickstarter, the social media for this documentary, but also where can we find you guys online as well? Okay, well, um, the the doc is across all social media, uh, and it's got the same handle. It's eighties horror doc. So eight zero s horror doc. Um, if you go to eighties horror com. That will redirect you to the Kickstarter page, which has a URL that I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> it's very long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but we're very, very active on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook a bit less. Um, and you can find me at Robin Block. And uh, I'm a little bit everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Jessica Dwyer because I have no imagination. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find some of my writing. Like I said, Horror Hound. I just I did our retrospective on Hocus Pocus. And, um, oh, God, a lot of stuff. I write a lot of stuff for them. Um, <laughs> then uh, Fangirl Magazine as well online, uh, fangirlmag.com. Uh, we're getting ready to have an episode of our radio broadcast and podcast with Mark Meir on it. And we're all going to talk about, he's the voice of Commander Shepard from Mass Effect. And Ooh, we're all going to talk about 80s horror because he's a massive <laughs> <not>? geek. <laughs> no, he is a massive geek. Um, yeah, he's all about horror. And so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, online, Facebook. You'll find me, Jessica Dwyer. Can Great I just say, doesn't, doesn't Jessica have the best voice? <laughs> yeah. Really does. Jesus. We, just have, we just have the boring British accent. And yeah. It just yeah, we all See, do. I love we the British do. accents. I think I sound like a hick. So there you go. Oh dear. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. This was an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's not something that we usually do. Kind of this trip down uh, nostalgia lane, and it was really nice for us because we kind of we talk about new horror every single week, and we don't really get a chance to look back. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I would we'd love to have you guys on again in the future to sort of give us updates on this documentary as well because it's one that I'm very excited for. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. See you later, everyone. Shut up, I can't. Mainly because I never could. How could I stop?